You're listening to the AntsMarching.org podcast, the new brand of AM radio. And welcome back to the AntsMarching.org podcast. We are at episode six. It's Sunday, November 4th. That means the Jets have just lost yet another game if you're keeping track there at home. One and eight now. Uh, so I'm not in the greatest of moods, really. And uh, as always on Sunday, after a Jets loss, I turn to my friend Jake Vigliotti to pull me out of this rut. So, Jake, help me out, babe. Look on the bright side. Um, so anyway, yeah, yeah. see you. Good to talk to you. Yeah, it is nighttime out, so there's your bright side. <laughs> well, there's not too much going on, of course, because it is the off offseason. Um, but there is some little bits of tidbits, uh, news sneaking out. Uh, one being something we didn't talk about last episode, but it had already happened by then was news of the one last public show of 2007. And that is weird wording just because they had that uh, world's loudest pep rally end up going to West Point. Um, So they had to kind of specify that it was the public show and it's not the quote-unquote private that the the pep rally show is. So that last public show ends up being at the IZOD Center, which is the old Continental Airlines. And for those keeping score at home, that is the site of the listener-supported uh, release. So, Jake, what do you hear about this show? What do you expect to see there? Well, I think the thing that uh, we can look forward to is looking back at 2007, they obviously played a bunch of new songs, and I think what whatever we hear now, whatever songs we don't hear, rather, are going to be the ones that are going to have a tough time making it onto the next album. Just in speculation, you know, if they drop, say, Sweet Up and Down, that's certainly going to make people wonder, hey, how come they didn't play that? I thought they were playing it all summer, and we thought it was going to be on the next album. I think you're going to hear more of songs that they're thinking about for the studio session uh, during this concert. This is going to be like the last kind of final prep work before they go back in the studio and work with To Be Announced to go ahead and give us a new album. Well, they've had the, almost a pattern of playing songs on the albums, the sessions, what what's hot when they come off a tour. Uh, we've seen some new songs debut, completely disappear right into the tour, and then they're forgotten about for the for the upcoming album. So I think what you say holds a lot of truth where, you know, it's almost like a short-term memory when it comes to recording sessions. Exactly. And, and you know right now that if they don't play Shotgun in this show, there's <laughs> going to be widespread panic throughout the community. People are going to be up in arms about the lack of shotgun. So I think we'll hear that song. Um, you know, I think that the thing that's going to be interesting, I'm going to, I'm wondering if we're going to hear sweet up and down. I really, I don't know if that was just a summer thing that they were trying to work out. It seemed as though they, they worked it out. They got some good versions of it, uh, especially later on in the tour. So that's the song that I'm kind of curious because it has that, that time frame potential of being like a radio release because it's going to probably work out to be somewhere in the three and a half to five minute range on an album cut. So I, I've always wondered if that's a song that potentially we could hear on the radio one day. If I were a betting man, I would say it's not showing up on the album and it never will. That's my guess. Yeah, uh, I, I, I can't, I can't disagree with you. I, I don't know if it will. I don't know if it's ever going to get set lyrically. That's, that's the big question. Well, I, I like hearing it live. Um, simply for the rare factor and the fact that they seem to play it with a lot of energy. But I would say it probably was one of the weaker songs off the Lily White Sessions uh, in terms of just development. I mean, it's, it's a real basic song. Uh, there, there's not a lot of complexity to it. And like it's, you know, there doesn't have to be to be a good song. 
But at the same time, I, I think it's liked as much as it is now, more for the rarity factor than anything. And, you know, that tends to happen. Um, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you know, if, if they were playing Blue Water Baboon Farm every night, people would be going, God, are we going to ever get stopped hearing the song every single night? So, right. yeah, yeah, that definitely works into it. But at the same time, I would, you know, I agree with you that, it, you know, if you look at the entire works of the Lily White session, it was probably at least in the bottom, you know, half or bottom three quarters. Sure. But, you know, it's compared to some of the other stuff, it's a masterpiece, you know, in the last couple of years. That's true. That's true. And you know what? Speaking of the Lily White Sessions, let's throw in a, a reader email right now, or listener emails, I should say. Um, Alex from Montreal had a question about the Lily White Sessions. Uh, it seems to be a hot topic, but it's something that's been around for quite a while now and still a lot of questions being asked about it. But Alex asks uh, a question that says, what is the relationship between DMB and Steve Lillywhite right now? Are they talking? Are they still friends? What does Lillywhite think of every day in stand-up? Does he actually want to work with DMB, DMB again? Or has DMB ever mentioned that they will never work with him again? And uh, thanks for that email, Alex, uh, from Montreal. And uh, I'll put a little something in on this first, Jake. When I went down to Charlottesville in March 05 to listen to the stand-up uh, album at the listening party... Uh, I spoke with one of the members of management for the band and brought up a similar question. Do you think they'll ever end up going back to Steve, uh, working with him again in the studio? And it was a typical kind of PR answer where, you know, not ruling anything out. But it was also a situation, I think, where they could have ruled something out. I mean, they were just coming off, you know, they just finished up Stand Up With Mark. They obviously had a good time doing it. So I think... If there was any ever time, ever a time where they could say, no, I think we've moved on from that, it was probably then, and they didn't say that. So I think that speaks pretty large volumes to the fact that I don't think you could ever rule out Steve coming back. What do you think, Jake? Well, you know, I, I agree with you there that, you know, at that time they really had a, a chance to just say, well, you know, it's, it's done with or something like that. But I think the relationship now just – you know, looking at it big picture, is a lot better than it was, say, five years ago. And, and Matt, you know, I know you and I had this conversation in the past about how, you know, Steve used to be uh, kind of receptive to some fans and used to be able to talk to him. And I know that he's mentioned in emails uh, to a couple people that at the time, say five years ago, he had nothing to do with the Dave Matthews Band and said he, at the time, had no comment on anything to do with the Dave Matthews Band. Uh, you know, I think if you were to talk to him now, he might be a little more open. Uh, he's had a couple statements in the past uh, couple years or so that have seemed more receptive to DMB. And, you know, clearly some of the stuff that they put out has been fantastic, especially, you know, to the fans. So is there a chance it will happen again? Uh, I think the chance is better now than it was two years ago. I is it going to happen? Are they talking to him? You know, I couldn't tell you that. But it certainly looks a lot better, and you know, fans can hope. That's true. I mean, I wouldn't hold your breath for this album, but uh, I wouldn't hold out hope. E I wouldn't, you know, throw hope away either. Um, I, you know, I, my personal opinion is no secret. I think the band, to me, is defined as their first three albums and then everything after it. Uh, and that's due in no small part to Steve Lillywhite's um, involvement on those albums. When I listen to, you know, any one of those three albums, here now we're talking what 10 10 years over 10 years later on on under the table and i'm still hearing little in intricacies that uh i haven't heard yet 
when I listen closely to the music, that's the mark of, of great production. And we all know how fantastic those songs are live, so it's not a matter of overproduction either. So Yeah, yeah. You know, and I we touched on this a little bit a couple of weeks ago, but I just heard it literally yesterday. I was listening to the album cut of Rapunzel, which you know, I haven't listened to in a long time. Mm. And just, you know, you hear little parts in there. In the middle of the song, you hear a little guitar riff from Tim, the piano from Butch right at the end of the song, not throughout the song. The referee little, whistle at the end. Exactly. Just <laughs> the, the little touches in there that, that really make an album polished. and. Yeah. And, and that's been missing for the last two. I don't know who's doing it, but someone's blowing the hell out of a whistle right at that jam at the end of that song. <laughs> that, I, I don't know either. But that goes back to the whole F-bomb in the middle of Halloween, who did it and who didn't do it. Right. And I'm, I'm going to say this again for the millionth time. It's been talked about on the boards all week. It is not Alanis Morissette that drops the F-bomb in there. I'm pretty sure it's Stefan, but it's not Alanis. I can assure you of that. Ooh, interesting insight there. Thank you. Every once in a while, I get get lucky and pull one out, so to speak. <laughs> well, an, another bit of news that happened uh, this week was the band sent out an email to, it seems to select warehouse members. I'm in the warehouse. I did not get the email. But uh, another one of our members, Hilly, was um, was so generous as to share the email that, that they received with us. And basically, the band is announcing a little bit of a mobile initiative. Um as you may or may not know, we at AntsMarching.org have had a mobile set up for quite some time now. Uh, we offer um, site and band news onto your cell phone, uh, mobile set lists after the shows, and uh, we even have a web page set up for, for phones that can jump on the web where you can actually look up the set list of any show from any night that the band has played and have it right there on your phone. So it's pretty cool. Um, one thing uh, we wanted to say about the Ants before we talk about the band's uh, effort is that we're going to be revamping our news and our mobile set list um, feature to let you choose um, what time zones you want to have the messages sent to you. So we're going to give you blocks of time where we send out messages, and you can select them all if you don't if you don't care when it gets sent out, or you can say, you know, I'm on the West Coast, I only want it in these hours. I don't want to be woken up, and uh, you'll be able to set that. So you'll have news and the set list delivered to you. You know. When it when it's convenient for you, not you know when we enter a set list in at two in the morning because the show is on the west coast. Right, that was one of the things we ran into last year, and, and in fact we we kind of shut it down for a while, as you people on the east coast quite remember. I think we sent out one or two from the west coast shows, and then we decided, eh, these two a.m. text yeah. messages probably aren't getting it done. Yeah, well, I know Joe was telling me he was having a hell of a time with uh, Verizon. Apparently, some of you out there in Verizon um, have not been getting. The text messages, and it seem we seem to be running into a problem where Verizon's treating us as uh, as a spammer almost. Where after a certain amount of messages, they say, "Okay, no more." Um, we're working with Verizon, and obviously, they say they never stop working for you. But sometimes you wonder if they ever started. But uh, we're go we're working real hard, and by the next tour, we're hoping to have that issue resolved. So, um, in addition to uh, the upgrading of the the mobile news and the mobile set list to deal with time zones, we're also hoping. They had some really cool features in terms of um, the way you can use your cell phone to interact with the site when it comes to concerts and other things. So stay tuned for that. Now, on to the band's version. Uh, it looks like right now it's just a link to a survey where they want to know what's going on, what do you think, what do you want. Very preliminary stages, it seems, but they're looking at doing uh, updates for you know band news, tour dates, contests, interaction with members of the band. 
Uh, one thing, Jake, you'll love this. Um, apparently, one of the questions on the on the survey talks about voting for the encore. <laughs> um, oh God. Dave's opinion on that is no secret. He's like, "F you, I'm going to play what you w- I want." Uh, so the rumor that this could take on a kind of a fan uh, influenced decision is pretty perplexing. Yeah, come on, I, I, that's not going to work. And I was, you know, more power to them if they say they want to vote for it. and Fans can vote all they want, but you know, if, if the band's not going to play two step when twenty thousand people are chanting two step, they're certainly not going to care what people sitting at home or sending in text messages saying they want to hear ants marching or something like that. I'm not crazy about this idea. Let the band play whatever they want or whatever they you know feel is is working at that time. I mean, rather than have. Yeah, I'm sorry, Jake. Even if they put up, like, let's say they put it up on the screen at the venue, so let's say it's only people at the show, right? First of all, uh, tell me your experience with cell phone signals at uh, concerts. Well, in uh, in West Palm, it's not that bad. Hmm. Um, Tampa's Tampa's a nightmare anyway, so I, you know, I would avoid that place like the plague. But it, it's not that bad. But it depends on where you are, and then you know you're soaking wet, sweaty. And then you got to pull out your phone, and I got to send a text message just to hear the song I want. I mean, can well, I just scream Halloween? <laughs> well, I know in Saratoga, um, the uh, the towers are jammed, absolutely jammed, because just because of the large amount of phones in a small area, they're overloading the tower. So, first of all, okay, let's assume that that's not a problem, even though it is. Let's assume it's not. So they put. Okay. They, they put it up on the screen and it says, "Okay, text your vote. You know, if you want to hear one, two, three, four, you know, text the number to this number, and that's what you want to hear for the encore." Well, you might as well turn it into TRL, because the majority of people at every Dave Matthews Band concert are the casual you sit down during a song that you know doesn't get any airplay. Don't get me wrong; a lot of Dave Matthews Band fans, even the casual ones, are you know up and screaming during the whole show, but. You let people vote, and they're going to want to hear Crash Into Me. They're going to want to hear Ants Marching. Not that they're bad songs, but, I mean, you're really going to get stagnant. You're going to get the same kind of, unless you change up the options and and really force them to vote on songs that aren't common, you're going to get the same kind of stuff every night. I just, I I applaud them for thinking differently, but this is really not the way to go, I I don't think. So the first time they have a vote, and it's, what song do you want to hear? You know, Dreaming Tree or Crash Into Me, and they they play Crash Into Me. You're going to have 300 people at the venue boo when they start Crash Into Me, and then you know, bands going to be like, "What the hell's going on?" And, and it's going to be like that every show. You're going to hear people booing during songs because they know what could have been played. Why don't they switch it's, it to the applause meter? You know, <laughs> highlight one song and, and start to cheer. You're right. That's a good point. You you might hear booing. Oh shit, my song didn't get played. I only boo for one song, but we won't mention that right now. Boo that stinks. Thank you. <laughs> uh, let's see. We have another email from uh, Brian Bianca, and he, um, you know, a lot of people when they when they download shows on our site or any other site, they want to look for the rare song. They want to hear that rare performance. Brian, uh, he takes a different angle at this. He said he. He's looking for quality. He wants to hear a, a real crisp, clean version of a staple, like a two-step, rather than maybe a muddy shotgun or a muddy sweet up and down. So, uh, Jake, as somebody who's listened to a large percentage of the shows that they've ever played, 
can you give uh, Brian any insight into what shows he might want to go out and grab? Well, um, first off, just kind of off the top of my head, there's a couple of shows. There's some certain shows. One we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, the um, the show from West Point a couple of years ago. Um, I believe Scott Brown recorded that one. That recording is just gorgeous. I mean, I think he had the microphone inside of one of the speakers. That's a great recording. And there's a couple of Dave and Tim shows from uh, from '99 that stand out. I think it's uh, 313 and 314. 99 where the recordings are very good um those just stand out in my head as just sounding almost like soundboard quality well you're going to get that from dave and tim right more more often than not you've got a better chance at it because the crowd's a little quieter for the most part um not to take anything away from our tapers because the dmb tapers by far are the greatest tapers in any community out there i mean there's recordings you know i can't tell you specifically off the top of my head the last couple of years, but there's been some recordings in the last couple of years that have just been fantastic. I, I know Crumbo had one from last year, and he's going to kill me for not mentioning which show it is, but I know it was early on in the year in 2006 that people thought it was soundboard. It sounded so good. What you're going to look for, if it, all the tapers have basically a little list of, of the equipment they use and where they're set up, and what you're going to want to look for is somebody that's up close, you know, first five rows or ten rows or so, and they're going to have to be pointed at some stack someplace up high. And the higher they get, the closer they, to the micro, to the speakers, rather, the more crisp signal they're going to get. And it seems as though East Coast venues are a little more receptive to tapers than, say, Texas. So I think every year for the last ten years we've heard stories about tapers in Texas having to lower their microphone stands because some security guard came over and said it was too high. Mm-hmm. And the lower it gets, then you get people, you get crowd noise, and then you always get some drunk fan trying to scream, hey, into the microphone or something or shake the microphone stand. Um, so that's something you could look for. In the last couple of years, you know, there's been some good shows early on in the year. So just look at some of those text files. Try to read, try to find somebody up close. And, and the tapers are real good at putting in notes at the bottom, too. And they take a lot of pride in their recordings. And there's, like I said, there's some really great recordings out there from the last couple, five, six years. And, and you're just going to kind of have to read a little bit or maybe do some posts because off the top of my head, I don't want to send you in the wrong direction. And I know I'm going to get a very violent email from Crumbo after this, but, you know. Oh, well, the, the nice thing is, too, with the way our um, torrent system integrates with our message boards, each uh, show, torrent for the show, is a thread on the message board in, in its uh, respective year forum. And uh, a lot of people comment after they downloaded the show on the quality. Uh, there's even a, um, a quality rating. It's the same function for thread rating, but we've changed it to, to rate the quality. So if you see things with four or five stars... And I mean, let's let's be honest. Most of them are uh, nowadays. The past few years, uh, rarely a show goes by where um, on, you know a plus tape isn't out there. I remember that and the the ratings from the old days of tape trading. Um, I think you're hard pressed to find something that's doesn't fall into that A range nowadays, right? Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I, I can remember one of the first tapes I got from a show I saw in uh, in '96 actually at at the. Um, Nice, what is it? Nissan now used to be Bristol yes. in Bristol, Virginia, and I think the guy recorded it on a tape recorder underneath the seat. <laughs> so his his foot tapping along <laughs> with the music, 
you know, desperate times take desperate measures sometimes. But yeah, it's come a long way. At since least you then. didn't lose the B, right? <laughs> this is true. <laughs> All right, Jay, we got time for uh, one more email before we wrap this up. Um, we have a question about Colorado bias or anti-bias, I, I suppose is the, the correct term. Uh, Texas Rules 290 writes, and, and you'll like this, what is the problem with Colorado and shows? I hate sounding like a selfish fan, but it seems like for every five shows in New York City, there's one in Colorado. Is it the knife incident, the Red Rock shows? I don't know if we have any answers, but any info would be much appreciated. And that is a Colorado uh, supporter going by the name of Texas Rules 290. So, Jake, can you shed a little light on that? Well, well, first off, don't forget that the very first show that DMB ever played outside of Virginia actually was in Colorado. They played a two-night stand at a bar and happened to be the only two nights that that bar was open. So they have a long history. And then they also uh, developed a friendship with the Samples, who were based out of Colorado, and that helped them go throughout the Midwest, brought them out to Colorado again. They went out there to uh, Red Rocks in 93 for the first time and played some shows there. Really picked up a strong fan base in Colorado. Always drew well at bars. So they've always had this connection there. And, you know, they, they play pretty much where they've had big followings. If, if you really look around at the places where they've played often uh, in the last, you know, 10 years or so, they've played a lot in Colorado because they have a strong fan base there. Uh, a lot in Georgia because they had a very strong fan base in Athens, Georgia uh, back in the day. And they play, obviously, they don't play in Athens anymore, but they play in Atlanta, which is, you know, about an hour up the road or a little less. Uh, and obviously, New York City because they played some shows early on there and, and were fortunate enough to get some fan base there, too. So, it, you know, they're going to, they're kind of staying with their roots a little bit. And it's it's a place where they've always had fans. Well, I mean, when you can play a three night stand at, at Red Rocks, when you can give special events like that um, to a venue, you, you've got to recognize that the band really loves it there. And uh, I've never seen a show at Red Rocks, but I've been out there, and it's absolutely beautiful, and, and I would have loved to see a concert for there. So the fact that they gave them three shows, what was that, in 05, Jake? Yeah, and actually they played the fourth, too, because that was when it was in 04, 05, whenever Katrina hit, because they played the extra show, uh, as a Katrina benefit, and they and they donated the proceeds uh, to the Katrina Fund, which has uh, gone swimmingly, no pun intended. When you can get four shows in a row at a venue, uh, the band really likes it there. And uh, not to say that that should be enough to make any Colorado fan happy, but you've got a really special venue out there, and uh, there's a lot of us East Coasters who would trade a couple or three of our shows to be able to see one out there at that place. So... Um, Definitely something that you guys have fortunate out there in Colorado. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting, too, that about Colorado is when we heard there was going to be a final show and people were speculating where it was, you heard a lot of people saying, well, it must be out in Colorado because, you know, they love Colorado so much. I'm sure they're going to play a show in, somewhere around Denver and, you know, maybe back at the uh, football stadium or something. And, of course, they played New Jersey instead. Yeah, I, I've got nothing on that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, New Jersey in November is a lovely time. More Jersey love, of course, from the Ants podcast. Uh, yeah, I'm going to get so many emails now from Vinny in New Jersey saying, what's wrong with Jersey? No question. <laughs> hey, listen, if, uh, if anybody out there has missed the last episode, episode five of the Ants podcast, we did um, have an exclusive peek at the uh, one of the tracks from the upcoming Live Tracks 10, um, Lion Our Graves, which is one of the coolest tracks on that release. So make sure you... Uh, Head down to uh, antsmarching.org slash podcast and check that out if you haven't listened already. 
Um, and a, think- a, a quick thing on that too, Matthew, if I may. Yes. Remember, there was a lot of talk about how could they release this show again, another 2007 show. I think people are starting to realize after listening to that line in our graves how special of a show it was and how the people of Portugal just love this band. I mean, and, when you when you um, go outside the states, you you have a you know you can listen to every show of the tour, the American tour for 2007, and you know some crowds are better than others, but by and large, you're going to get the same kind of reaction. They're fans who've seen the band before, and they're familiar with them. You go outside the country. And you have a completely different dynamic there that, you know, you can't experience in the States. And that's, I think that's what you're talking to. And you know what? Not to make any bold predictions, but if you were to put me on the spot and if somebody were to say to me, do you think DMB will play in Europe next year? I would say, yeah, I bet they do. I really think they're going to, judging by the success they had last year there and the fan reaction they've had. I mean, we've seen it on the board. So many different people from, from Poland, from Scotland, from you know Portugal. You know, it, the, the fan base over there is growing in leaps and bounds, and it would not shock me at all to see them go back over there. I agree with you. We'll definitely see, I, I, I would go out on a limb and say we'll definitely see them uh, overseas in 2008 for sure. Well, um, a couple of other things. Make sure to check us out on iTunes. Uh, we're listed as one of the most popular music podcasts out there, which is great. You guys have done a great job of getting us up ranked there. Um, go ahead and review the podcast there. The more reviews, the more popular we'll become. And uh, don't forget, if you have any questions for us, the best place to reach us is podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, at antsmarching.org. Uh, Jake, you got anything else? I think that's going to wrap it up. i got to go watch Spider-Man 3. Oh, sweet. Um Pats, Colts, any thoughts on that? Uh, Pats looked a little shaky. Colts defense better than people expected. They've flown around the ball all year long. But in the end, you know, it's it's Tom Brady is having one of those unbelievable years, and they're just getting it done when they need to. And despite the fact they had 150 yards and penalties, they still pull the game out. And that's just the mark of a team that has a very, very good shot at going undefeated. It's also the mark of the team that has very sophisticated video recording equipment on the sidelines. Yes, as, as your future former uh, head coach pointed out. Yes. <laughs> All right, Jake, we will see you later. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great week. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the AntsMarching.org podcast. Visit AntsMarching.org and be part of the largest DMB community on the Internet. Show downloads, Tour Central, personal show stats, the set list game, and so much more. AntsMarching.org, the best stop for all things DMB.